how many of you have needed to run to Jesus lately? I know a number of you have. And we have that privilege, and we look this morning at the disciples when they were in great need, fearing for their life, and they ran to Jesus, and Jesus met their need. Peace be still, he said, to that storm on the sea. We turn to Mark chapter 4, and reading verses 35 through 41. Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. On that day when evening came, he said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of a wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you are a gracious God. You are a loving Father. You are the one that provides for us a day and night, good times and bad. You are faithful in the storms of life. And we are so thankful, O Lord Jesus, that we can open your word today. And we pray that you would teach us, that you would encourage us, that you would remind us of who you are and how great and mighty you are. These things we pray in your name. Amen. A comfortable plane ride was about to get very bumpy. And so the captain asked the passengers to make sure that they fastened their seat belts because soon the plane was about to roll and pitch like a ship on a wind-whipped ocean. And obviously, if you've ever been on a flight like that where the plane is kind of moving around, you get a little bit nervous, don't you? And when you finally hit the ground, there is a sense of relief, is there not? Well, after the plane landed, there was this little girl that had remained so calm during that whole time. She was just sitting there reading her book. And someone asked her, how could you remain so calm in such a a landing like that? And she said, my daddy is the pilot, and he's taken me home. (laughs) My daddy is the pilot, and he's taken me home. When the disciples were in the midst of that storm on the Sea of Galilee, I think it would have been good if this little girl had been with them, right? She had that confidence in her daddy, her father, that he was going to land that plane and they were going to be safe. And that's the confidence that the disciples needed that day. They were fearful. They thought that they were going to die and they didn't think that Jesus even cared. <laughs> because when, they, he, when they, he was sleeping and they woke him up, what would they say? Teacher, don't you care that we are 
perishing. They learned something that day about storms, didn't they? They learned something that day about themselves, and they learned something that day about Jesus. What's the first thing they first thing they learned is that storms are inevitable. One of the reasons why the storms of life can be difficult for us is because they sometimes take us by surprise. For some reason, I don't know, we don't expect them to come. I think of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. As Peter writes to believers who were facing some storms, they were going through various trials, and he says in 1 Peter 4, 12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Is that an interesting verse? Don't be surprised as if trials are some kind of strange, unexpected thing. Trials have always been and always will be a part of life in a fallen world. Isn't that right? They can come in many different ways, many different forms. The disciples were faced with this fact on the Sea of Galilee, and I would say a pretty dramatic way. They discovered that storms can come at the worst time. Have you discovered that? It's just like, it's not so much that the storm came, that's bad enough, but how many times have you said to yourself, why did it have to come now? Why now? We're told in verse 35 that the disciples boarded the ship when evening came which may indicate that it was either dark, or at least it was getting dark by the time the storm came. It's one thing to be in a storm, but when it's dark, there's something that makes it just a little bit more difficult. When you're sick, isn't nighttime the worst? It's like when when the sun finally starts to rise, it's like, doesn't take the, the trial away, but it, it just seems maybe a little bit better. And the storm also came at a time when Jesus and his disciples were weary. How do we know that? They had, had a very busy day, if you read in the verses prior to this. Jesus must have been exhausted because he gets in that boat and he lays in the stern on a pillow or whatever it was, a cushion, and, and he's fast asleep. They were crossing the the Sea of Galilee, likely to get away from the crowds and and get get some rest. And all of a sudden, here comes this storm. Well, the question probably wasn't so much, why did this have to happen, but why did this have to happen now (laughs) at this time? Another thing they discovered is that these storms can come to anybody. We'd like to think that storms and trials come to the other guy, right? Those other people out there. But we eventually discovered that storms and trials can come to anybody because no one is exempt. Not a single one of us is exempt from the storms of life. Now, the disciples had already seen many storms in the lives of others. 
They had seen sickness and demon possession and leprosy and blindness and paralysis. But now they were in the midst of a storm that was having a direct impact upon them. Wasn't those people out there, now the storm was affecting them personally. It didn't matter that they were disciples of Jesus. The storm still came. And what is interesting to notice is that they faced this storm because they were following Jesus. Did you notice that? Mark tells us in verse 35 that they went out into the lake because Jesus told them to do that. Let's go to the other side. And so they were following Jesus and still the storm came. We need to get that in our, our minds, that, that just because we follow Jesus, that does not mean that troubles will not come. They still come to us too, don't they? Storms, trials, sorrows. Warren Wiersbe says many people have the idea that storms come to their lives only when they have disobeyed God. But this is not always the case. He says Jonah ended up in a storm because of disobedience, but the disciples got into a storm because of their obedience. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Okay, Lord, we're going, and guess what? The storm came. Have you ever faced a trial in your life because you were obedient? In the will of God, doing His will, and yet still... There was a storm. But we shouldn't be surprised when storms come. They are inevitable. In one way or another, we will face them. And I guess to be forewarned is to be forearmed. And we need to understand this whole philosophy that is in the church, in some churches today, that if you really love the Lord, if you are following His will, if you really have faith in Him, you are going to be healthy, you are going to be wealthy, and you are going to be prosperous. The so-called prosperity gospel. You ask the early church about that. They went through tough times. They were poor. They were persecuted. They faced all kinds of trials and troubles. But we shouldn't be surprised. The storms are inevitable. The second lesson we learn is that we are vulnerable. We are vulnerable. There's no question in my mind that Jesus led the disciples into the storm on the Sea of Galilee to teach them something. And one of the things He wanted to teach them is just how vulnerable we are. You know, we like to think that we have control over our lives, right? Don't we? That we can prevent certain things from happening and that, you know, we've got it all together. I don't think we realize just how vulnerable we are. If the disciples were anything like we are, they were probably fairly self-sufficient men. They probably figured that they could handle most things that come their way. But if they were going to be useful in the kingdom of God, they needed to see their helplessness. And a good way to teach them was through a storm on the Sea of Galilee. One author said that at all, well, what did he put? He said, as many as seven 
of the disciples were fishermen. Okay, Seven out of the twelve were likely fishermen. And they had weathered some storms, I'm sure, as they were on the Sea of Galilee. So they knew a little bit about weathering a storm. But this storm was one that they could not handle. It was so bad, they thought they were going to die. Verse 37, there arose a fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up with water. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care? We are perishing. I find it interesting, Matthew, in describing this storm, uses the Greek word seismos. What word do you think we get from that? Huh? Earthquake, right? It's as though the, 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 the lake was being shaken. That, that storm was so uh, significant. And fishermen or not, if you're in the midst of that, I think you'd be a little scared. And they were. They were, they were terrified. And so the disciples saw in a dramatic way how vulnerable they were. And it ended up being a good experience for them. Jesus was in the process of molding them, of shaping them for ministry, and part of that process was to help them understand their helplessness. Isn't that fun when we feel helplessness? Isn't that great? Oh, that's, that's tough, isn't it? When you are in a position where you feel like there is nothing you can do about it, nothing you can do to fix it, to change it, that feeling of helplessness. Kent Hughes says that miserable storm was a vehicle for teaching them about God and His power in their lives. The storm was essential to their spiritual development. Here we see a principle of universal and spiritual application without difficulties, trials, stresses, and even failures, we would never grow to be what we should become. Storms are part of the process of spiritual growth. Isn't that true? I mean, we look back in our lives and it's through some of those storms, some of those trials that we grew, right? Because what? It draws us to Jesus in our helplessness. We recognize how vulnerable we are and how dependent, how dependent we are on Him. I think of what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 8, he says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, and that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. We don't know for sure exactly what he was going through as he describes this, but he says it was so bad we thought we were not going to make it. Then he says in verse 9, Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that, purpose, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Paul says that's what that experience did for us. We were taught that we cannot trust in ourselves. 
We were faced with a situation where there was nothing that we could do in our own human strength. We trust in God, Paul says, who raises the dead. I'm pretty sure that Paul wouldn't want to go through that again. Think so? Oh, this was so wonderful. I learned so much. When we experience something like that, it's not like, oh, Lord, send another one of those. We wouldn't say that. But he saw God's purpose in it. He saw how weak he was and how he needed to trust in the one who is able to raise even the dead. That's where our trust must be, right? Not in ourselves, not in any other man, but in Jesus, the one who was able to raise the dead. On one occasion, someone said to Hudson Taylor, the one that started the China Inland Mission, he said, you must sometimes be tempted, Mr. Taylor, to be proud because of the wonderful way God has used you. I doubt if any man living has had greater honor than you. How do you think Hudson Taylor responded to that? He said, on the contrary, I often think that God must have been looking for someone small enough and weak enough for him to use, and he found me. There's an honest man recognizing his own weakness, his own smallness, how much he needed the Lord. So do you recognize how small and weak you are? Storms have a way of doing that, don't they? When we're facing hardship, it has a way of showing us just how weak, how small we are, how vulnerable vulnerable we are. So storms are inevitable. We are vulnerable. But the good news is that Jesus is capable, isn't he? Jesus is capable. When it became clear to the disciples that they were in deep trouble, I would suggest they, they came, became despondent. Uh, verse 38, they, they, they wake him up and say, Lord, don't you care that we are perishing? Lord, here you are sleeping and there's this storm and, and we're about to die. And Why don't you help us? In their despondency, the disciples would have been well to recall some of the promises of God's Word, huh? Think of the Psalms, how how many times it makes reference to people out on the sea in trouble. Uh, Psalm 65, verses 5 to 7. By awesome deeds you answer us in righteousness. O God of our salvation, you who are the trust of the ends of the earth, the farthest sea, who establishes the mountains by his strength, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas. Psalm 89.9, You rule the swelling of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. Scott read from Psalm 107 this morning, describing those who are reeling and staggering like drunken men on the ocean, and they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And He brought them out of their distress. He caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. There are so many places in Scripture we would that would have encouraged the disciples, but in the midst of it all, they concluded that, Lord, you don't even care. 
You don't even care what we're going through. And that's what Satan wants you to believe, isn't he? He wants you to think that God doesn't really care about you. Because if he really cared about you, you wouldn't be facing this. You wouldn't have to go through this if God really cared about you. And that's why it's important that we spend time in the Word, right? So we stand on those promises of God's Word that He knows what we're facing. He is with us in the midst of that trial and that trouble. In their despondency, the disciples would have also taken heart to what Jesus had just said to them. What did He just say? Let us go over to the other side. If Jesus, or if they were going to drown in the Sea of Galilee, I don't think Jesus said, let's go over to the other side, would he? Send them in the boat, thinking they're going to go to the other side, but I'm really going to drown you. Take him at his word. And he said, let us go to the other side. Which would indicate what? He was right there with them. He was right there with them in the midst of that storm on the sea. So there really wasn't any question that Jesus would care for them. He was fully capable to do that. And he did. He did. Now, could he have prevented that storm? Absolutely, we know that. He could have easily prevented that. He's the one who had made the earth and the sea. The one who sustains the planet by his power. But then the disciples would have missed an opportunity to learn from Jesus. Jesus allowed his disciples to experience this storm so that he could reveal to them his sufficiency. They could see that he is fully capable of meeting their every need, no matter what the circumstance of life. And when they came to Him, and they cried out to Him, He heard their prayer. Verse 39, He got up, and He rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And that raging sea immediately became quiet. Imagine being in that boat. You are facing a storm you think is going to kill you. And and Jesus speaks to the ocean. And he quiets the storm. And that body of water became just like glass. All he had to do is speak His Word. That makes sense, right? Because how was this world created? He spoke it into existence. And now in the midst of this storm, He spoke to the sea and said, Peace, be still. And when the disciples saw that their only hope was in Jesus, He was all they needed. Absolutely all they needed. Now notice how Jesus responded to their prayer. He said to them in verse 40, Why are you 
afraid. Why are you afraid? And then he said, do you still, notice that word, do you still have no faith? What would that suggest? Do you still have no faith? In spite of all that they had seen him do prior to this. All the ways in which he displayed his power. It's like Jesus saying, after all I've done, you still don't trust me? (laughs) You still don't trust me. Jesus addressed the disciples' lack of trust many times. There are at least five times in the Gospels that Jesus tells his disciples that they are of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Five times at least. You'd think that by now they were learning to trust him, but it was a lesson that didn't come very easy for the disciples, did it? And we might look at them and say, what's wrong with you? Look at all that you've seen, and yet, what about us? Aren't we often like them as well? This whole process of learning to trust Him in the midst of whatever is coming our way, it's not an easy thing, is it? Because we look around us and we see the trouble and we're often like them. Warren Wiersbe says, The greatest danger was not the wind or the waves. It was the unbelief in the hearts of the disciples. And then he says, Our greatest problems are within us, not around us. Would you agree? That's our greatest struggle. It's within us. Not around us, because the Lord can handle that, but how often do we, do we doubt? John MacArthur says, They knew he possessed Divine power, having seen him perform miraculous healing for many others, yet when their own lives were at stake, the inadequacy of their faith was exposed. And that how it usually works? When our life is being affected, that's much more challenging than if it's someone else's life. When it hits home to us, that's when it's so easy to give into fear, isn't it? As we look at the reaction of the disciples to Jesus' miracle, they're still in the process of learning who Jesus is. They'd seen his power over demons and over diseases, but now they see his power over nature and it causes them to fear. Verse 41 says, They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind... And the sea obey him. So I find it interesting. The stilling of the storm didn't remove all fear. It was replaced with another kind of fear. They were afraid of the storm. And now it says, who, who is this one? Who is this one that even the wind and the sea obey him? They became very much afraid. One author says the realization that the Creator was in their boat was far more frightening than any terror that they might face outside their boat. They knew that only God possessed such power. They were in the presence of God. 
It had caused them to fear. What kind of fear was that? Richard Lenski says, This great fear is the feeling of overpowering awe that was caused by the revelation of almighty power. This feeling is bound to overcome weak mortals when in their littleness they meet the omnipotent and behold his might. The disciples were not afraid of Jesus, did not run from him, but they now looked upon him with great Imagine what that must have been like to go through that experience and say, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Let me ask you, what is it that you fear the most? I'm assuming you fear. Well, I put it this way. I know you have fears. They come in different forms, don't they? Is it a storm? Is it the dark? Is it sickness? Is it the future? Is it war? Is it death? No matter what our fear is, Jesus is the answer to that fear. And when we stand in awe of His almighty power, it helps us to put all that we face into proper perspective. Because if Jesus is there in the midst of all that we face, Even though we don't see Him, we know from God's Word He is there. That ought to make a difference in how we face those storms. The little girl in the airplane wasn't afraid because she trusted her dad. My daddy is the pilot and he's taken me home. Can you say that about your life today? If your heavenly Father is your pilot and He's taking you home, do we have reason to fear? We're going to close with the song Day by Day and with each passing moment. Strength I find to meet my trials here, trusting in my Father's wise bestowment. I have no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Every day the Lord himself is near me with a special mercy for His each hour. All my cares he gladly bears and cheers me. He whose name is counselor and power. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. As your days, your strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me he made. Help me then in every tribulation so to trust your promises, O Lord, that I lose not faith, sweet consolation offered me within your holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting ere to take as from a father's hand. One by one, the days, the moments fleeting, till I reach the promised land. Father, thank you for that song. Thank you for what you are able to do in our lives, Lord, in the midst of those situations when we are afraid. Lord, thank you for who you are. Do your work, Father, in our hearts today. Help us to trust you and to walk with you faithfully. 
In Jesus' name we pray.